Welcome to the Professional Plumber Podcast. We hope that these podcasts will bring some insight into who we are and what we do. So while in conversation with the PIRB, sit back, enjoy, and make sure to connect with the PIRB on Facebook or at pirb.co.za or more. It's a lack of warm, hearty welcome to you, our listener out there. You're tuned into the Professional Plumber Podcast. Uh, and today's topic and, and, and the subject of our discussion, again, is solar systems or solar water heater systems. And today we're specifically addressing uh, or looking at the controlling of a solar water heater system. Now, as usual, for these technical podcasts, I have with me Mr. Richard Bailey. Richard, welcome and thanks for joining me. Uh, Willem, always a, always a pleasure as uh, as usual, and uh, no, thanks for having me. These are these are these are my favourite things to do. <laughs> I, I also enjoy it because I learn from them. I just like it. I tell you, I I, I think I should uh, become a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, well, I'm sure you have one or two contacts in the plumbing industry that you could uh, <laughs> learn from, Willem. <laughs> <laughs> listen each to their own hey I, I i'm better behind a microphone than what i am working working with plumbing in, in, in my hands but richard listen we're talking about controlling uh, or the controlling of a solar water heater system we've had a couple of other discussions and there are other podcasts out there in which we discuss um you know aspects of solar water heating systems we've spoken about uh you know the the, the determining the correct sizing thereof, the tempering valve thereof. we've spoken about uh the difference in a conventional tank and a solar tank and and you know i'd, I'd urge our listeners and our audience to go out and listen to those episodes those podcasts but in this one specifically we're chatting about the controlling of the solar water heater system uh. so there's always talk about the fact that a solar water heater cannot be controlled, uh, meaning you can't turn off the sun. So what yeah. can be controlled in, in such a system? Yeah, no, they were, well, that's it. I mean, and that's a good question because a lot of the safety talk, when we talk about uh, safety requirements around solar systems, we, 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 we cite the fact that you cannot switch off the sun. So you have an uncontrolled heat source. And and a and a closed pressurized tank and and that doesn't make such like a reading for a from a safety perspective. So you you're right in that from that perspective you can't. But there are lots of things that you well there are a few things that you can and absolutely should control. Um, it's not it's not a case of uh, you can control them. It's it's essential that they are controlled. Mm. Um, for example, and the one of the and and the first probably most obvious thing would be uh, when one thinks of a controller in a solar system, one would think straight away of the electrical backup heating controller. What do I mean by that? In a solar system, <clears throat> because the solar radiation and the amount of solar radiation uh, uh, beating down on a system uh, is an unreliable thing, in as much as it is uncontrollable and you can't switch it off and sometimes it becomes too much and sometimes it can overheat the system, that's fine. But in other at other times, you simply don't get enough of it. So it's not a reliable, controllable thing. You are, le you are left at its mercy. So sometimes the system needs an, a boost. It needs an input of extra heat because at the end of the day, 
this domestic solar water heating system must cater to the needs of a client or a household. Mm. So a household must ablute in the morning and it must ablute in the evening and sometimes during the day with dishes, etc. So every single household will have its own requirements in terms of when they require hot water, how much hot water they require, etc., etc. And a solar system has to cater for that or cater to that. And you cannot just leave it up to its own devices um, from a sun, uh, from a from a, uh, a radiation perspective. It simply won't suffice. It simply will not do the job. It's sometimes you, it's going to overheat, and sometimes it's you, you know, you, you're not going to have enough hot water. Because especially yeah, if you, <laughs> correctly, uh, correct. I mean, especially if you, um, most families these days um, want to shower at six thirty or seven a.m. and um, there simply hasn't been sun for the last 12 hours, has there? So <laughs> you're not going to have hot water. So you have to have some kind of a backup. And, and, and when we talk about controlling a solar system, this is the sort of the foremost thing that comes to one's mind is the, is the, is the element control. Now, if you, if you had listened to, a, 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 you mentioned it, the, the podcast about uh, conventional tanks versus solar tanks, I'll touch on it quickly again. In a solar tank, the position of the electrical heating element is such that even when it is heated up to a particular preset temperature, let's call it 60 degrees, that there is space below that, um, that um, element in terms of its position because it is positioned higher up in the, in the physical space of the tank. Mm -hmm. And so below that element is a good quantity of unheated water. Think of um, um, thermodynamics, think of heated water rising to the top and cooled water sinking to the bottom because of the density difference. Mm -hmm. So when you introduce a heat source in the middle of a tank of water, tradition, you would usually find that all the heated water is above that heat source and the cool water, unheated water is below that heat source. And unless, of course, you mix it somehow, but we, we, don't, we try not to do that in, 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 within tanks. Yeah. So you allow, allow space for the solar input, but at the same time, catering for those that want to shower at 6.30 a.m. So you switch the electrical uh, backup heating on at, let's say, 5.30 a.m. It heats up a certain portion of the volume of that tank for use of a shower or two, but it retains it, re, it, re, it, it retains that unheated space, in inadvertent commas, that I, you like to use uh, within the tank that will allow the solar input to to have space to uh, introduce heat into. Fine if it's if the people are at home and everybody does in fact shower in the morning, you then deplete that hot water and the whole geyser is effectively cool enough to start to allow the solar input for the day. But what happens when people go on holiday? Mm. This is, um, uh, yeah, because now all of a sudden you don't have uh, people using hot water and you have a system that is uh, essentially sitting there uh, boiling. Mm. So you, again, from, from an electrical input point of view, most controllers, I don't say all of them, because some of them are, are simpler, but most intelligent controllers will allow you to fully switch off for a period of time the electrical backup input. Mm. So you can say, boom, press a button, I'm on holiday mode, therefore please do not input any electrical uh, heating into the skeezer for the following period or whatever, and you come back and your system is much happier for it. So that is a very important um, 
thing to be able to control, know exactly when your heating, your backup heating is coming on. Mm. One other thing I just want to mention about backup heating is there's a there's a there's a misconception and and I've just <clears throat> I've picked it up often when you speak to lay people about about solar water heating and element timing. They concern themselves about whether or not the element comes in and backs up and introduces unnecessary heat into the system when once it's already hot from the solar. And the answer is no, because remember that the electrical backup system is also governed by a thermostat. So if, for example, the water in the geyser is already to a particular temperature, call it 60 degrees from solar, and your electrical backup then kicks on at 3 p.m., just because it's kicking on doesn't mean it's going to be inputting heat. It won't input heat because the thermostat is already, it already knows that this is to temperature and I will not allow the, th the element to in fact switch on. When the controller allows or when the controller switches on fr from a time perspective, the electrical backup, what it's doing is sending power to the thermostat and the thermostat then on its own accord, based on the temperature within the tank, will determine whether or not to allow that power to continue to the element to continue to heat that water up. So don't be concerned about overlapping times. What I mean by that is when you've got, you, you usually would find a solar system would be more than hot enough at a particular time of day, but your electrical backup is set within an hour of that time and it overlaps slightly and you're concerned whether you're putting too much heat in. That's not the case because your electrical backup will be determined by or controlled a second layer of control from the thermostat as well. That's a bit of a mouthful, Willem. I hope it kind of makes sense. But <laughs> but it's essentially you cannot have <laughs> you what we're trying to uh, prevent is continuous electrical heating. For within a system. So you have to break it somewhere. Uh, you cannot have continual uh, electrical heating in a solar system. And at the same time, you cannot have no electrical heating in a system. You have to have some, and it has to be controlled in, in terms of time. And that will be determined from a behavioral or a, a habit-based um, uh, discussion that, that the installer will have with the client. Mm. I will just say one other thing. <clears throat> if you'll allow me, sure. about setting up the timing for, for the electrical input uh, on a solar system. And that is the discussion that an installer needs to have with a client surrounding their habits. We all know that the point of installing a solar system would be to alleviate the cost of having to heat water electrically. Now, if the habits of the of the household, let's consider the habits of a household. 90% of the ablutions, baths, showers, etc., take place in the morning before leaving for work and before leaving for school. Think of what that does to, to the system and, and, and what source of heat you're using and where that water is being heated from when you all shower in the morning. Mm. There's only one place that it can be heated from, and that's electrically. Exactly. Because that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. So when you have a discussion with the with the homeowner and you say to them, this is a consideration that you should, what is your habits? And they say, well, it's all in the morning. Okay, great. But consider changing it. Go through the pros and cons. Go through the cost analysis. And not only are you using all that water, electrically heated water, 
but you are effectively, and I'll put it in inverted commas, you are wasting the solar heated water because you are allowing it to heat up during the day. Beautiful boiling hot water geyser at, at, at 5.30 p.m. And nobody uses it. Yeah. And nobody uses it. So, so the habits of the household are extremely important. And the homeowners have got to understand the, the dynamics have changed since moving from a conventional geyser to a solar geyser. There's different behavioral dynamics within that system, and they've got to adapt themselves to that. You know, I like the fact that you that you uh, you know tell the the audience, the plumbers out there, the installers, to sort of explain this and have that conversation with the customer, uh, because the customer don't consider these things; they're not aware of these things, and uh. they must always remember that they, the plumbers, the installers, they are the experts, and the customer rely on them and trust them to share with them the correct information. Richard, I want to find out if whether there are more controllable things about a solar system. But before we continue our conversation, I would like to share with our audience and our listeners out there some information about products and services and even events that they might find interesting and be interested in. And we'll continue right after this. Are you a tradesperson or a trading company that is looking for a platform to market your services? Let Articulated speed up the process for you. You can use our podcast to sell your services. Email us for a quote at organizer at articulated.co.za. You can also visit our website at www.articulated.co.za. Don't forget to download the all-new and improved App Plumber from the Google Play Store. All your plumbing solutions are just a click away, exclusively for Android users. Welcome back to our listeners. You are still tuned into the Professional Plumber Podcast, and it's a yet another lacquer technical podcast with a lot of technical discussion. In this episode, with this discussion, we are talking about the, the controlling of a solar water heater system. I have with me uh, Mr. Richard Bailey, and we've just before we went into the ad break, we said that you know the ele- element times and, and, and the setting of when the electrical element should kick in um, and when it should be off for, the, for that matter uh, is one of the things that can be controlled when it comes to solar water heating system. Um, and the fact is that, you know, I, I would consume as, or I would assume as a layperson that there are certain risks involved if such a system is not controlled. And hence the fact that, you know, we're having this discussion to say that it should be controlled and it can be controlled. But Richard, what other aspects or things of a solar system can be controlled in addition to controlling the element times? Yeah, yeah Willem, um, quite important uh, that one understands what should and could be controlled within a solar system. Uh, the, we've, we've hinted or we've touched on the fact, uh, not only here, but in previous uh, and other podcasts, that a solar system is subject to an uncontrollable heat source. And then for that matter, <clears throat> Uh, uh, the temperature within the system, you cannot control it in terms of its maximum temperature because you cannot switch the sun off. So, but there are ways, and 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 we must just consider what the objectives would be from a system design point of view, and that primary would be to con- uh, protect the consumer. One doesn't want to expose the consumer to extreme hot temperatures. Uh, we have spoken in the, in the past about a tempering valve. We're not going to go to to over there because that's a different podcast but the system itself must also be able to be 
can I use the word like preserved? You, you, you've got to look after the actual system itself. I mean, we're talking about uh, steel and copper and mechanical joints and rubbers and uh, all these bits and pieces that are physically exposed to very high temperatures. So one of the ways that a controller will help to protect a system is to try and minimize the maximum temperature um, experienced within, certainly within a tank. And for that matter, within a, um, a, uh, a solar collector, I'll get to that a little bit later. Mm -hmm. But primarily and the most common way for the controller to do that, if you consider a pumped system, a system that is that that the natural or normal thermosiphonic action, in other words, the action of hot water rising above cold water, and that action would, in some systems, play itself out naturally and transfer the heat from the lower collector to the higher tank. And it's a natural transition of heat. It's a natural flow that occurs. In a system where that type of flow is impossible because of height differences, <clears throat> physical location of the collector versus the tank. If the collector is higher than the tank, the natural flow of heat will want to sit and stay in the collector because it's highest, It's the highest point and none of the heat will get to the tank. So you have to force that heat downwards and the cool water upwards. And that is done by means of a pump. And that is when a pumped system starts to uh, come into its own, when the design of the thing has to have a high collector, low tank. Now, in a situation where perhaps somebody's gone on holiday and the collector is exposed to beautiful hot summer's days um, over a number of days and it's, it's threatening to overheat, well, it will overheat. If you continue to allow that water to be uh, pushed into or, or placed inside of the tank, in other words, the heat energy to constantly be introduced to the tank, that tank is going to overheat very quickly and eventually you're going to have things like the TP discharge opening up, which is okay, it's a safety measure. But if it starts to happen continuously, you're putting stress and strain on, on certain things. So in a pumped system, the controller can actually um, decide when to stop circulating the water and it will say, uh-uh, the temperature of the water inside the tank is such that I am now going to stop introducing more heat regardless of the collector's temperature outside on the roof mm. so the collector can might just go and sit there and 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 stagnate and get very very hot at least if it fails it's on the roof it's a lot safer than the tank failing inside of the ceiling so that is one way that a, that a, a controller will be able to control that from from a from a heat dissipation perspective there if a system and and Again, we come back to the fact that it will be exposed to periods of time where it will get excessive heat. And there are options to allow for the controller to sense this and dissipate some of that heat or get rid of some of that heat. There are a number of ways that this can happen. From a controller perspective, you could have it operate, for example, a solenoid valve or a dump valve that will allow the excess hot water simply to discharge and go to waste. There are other passive methods that, that can be utilized, which I'm actually not going to go into because it doesn't form part of the controller discussion, but there are passive methods that one can, that, that one can employ to dispel just the heat energy. It's like a radiator that one can install for want of a better description. But from a controller perspective, 
You can set it up so that it knows the temperature of the tank, of the controller, the status of the system, and at certain, at certain conditions, it opens up a solenoid valve and it dumps excess heat or excess water, and with it, the excess heat, thus preserving or saving the rest of the system. So it's the lesser of two evils. The third thing that it would play a massive part in um, controlling, and we've I've touched on it, is the pump itself. If there is a circulation pump within the system, it needs to be controlled. You cannot simply put a pump, hook it up to some electricity and have it circulate. It might be fine <laughs> for 10 minutes or three minutes or, or, or an hour when you're trying to gather heat from a nice sunshiny day and put it in a, put it in a, a, a geezer. But what you don't understand, and believe me, Willem, as crazy as this sounds, we've come across it often where a pump is hooked up not through a timer, not through anything. It's just circulating continuously. And people wonder why their you know, electricity bills are going through the roof. But think of, what, think of what's going to happen when that pump is circulating when it's cold outside at midnight. What's hmm. happening to that hot water? Exactly. <laughs> you know, so, it's replaced with, with cold. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. I know it sounds ridiculous. It sounds like, oh, no, don't tell me that's, that, that that's a thing. I promise you it's a thing. I've seen it many times where, where the pump is simply not controlled. There is no controller on the system. And you just, you, you, you might as well, I mean, you might as well take your entire system and just chuck it away. You know, it, it, a simple little detail like that is, is, of course. So the pump has to be controlled. The, the controller must know the temperature difference, differences between the tank or the storage container mm -hmm. and the panel. And based on that, it will then know when to switch the pump on to start to circulate because there is a there will be a temperature difference between or threshold between the, the the collector and the tank and if it reaches that threshold it will switch that pump on and what you will typically find in a system if you if you monitor it for for 15 minutes on any given hot day Willem, mm -hmm. you will find that that pump switches itself on every 4 minutes for like 40 seconds and it'll switch it off again and then a little 40 second burst and off again. And then another 40, maybe every five minutes, depending on the situation. Mm -hmm. But it's quick, short, intermittent bursts. This is how the thing works. You cannot have it, you cannot have it um, pumping for like six hours and then off for 12. Sometimes you can get away with it. But if you want to properly control a pump, You've got to do it. You've got to do it intelligently, and and let an intelligent controller take control of that pump. Richard, I want to continue our conversation, um, and I want to focus specifically on the controllers itself. But before we continue our conversation, I would like to share with our audience and our listeners out there some information about products and services, and even events that they might find interesting and be interested in. And we'll continue right after this. The BORB Master Plumber Recognition Program has officially arrived. As an essential service to society, there must be constant growth and development within this important and ever-changing industry. Developed by the PORB, the Master Plumber Recognition Program has launched as a new PORB designation, allowing industry champions to take the lead. Skilled and experienced plumbers equipped to take the lead Enroll today to start your journey in becoming a recognized PIRB Master Plumber. Welcome back. You're still tuned into the Professional Plumber Podcast. We are continuing our conversation about the controlling 
of solar water heater systems. And again, uh, Richard Bailey is with me discussing this subject or this specific aspect of solar water heating systems. Just before we went into the break, Richard, we discussed uh, some of the things in a solar water, water heating system that can actually be and should actually be controlled. And we, we were discussing the pumps and, um, and that even pumps can be controlled by controllers. You use the word controllers. And I would like to ask you quickly, are there different types of controllers yeah, they absolutely are. Um, a, a, a pump, we, I mentioned, I touched on the, on the fact that a pump has to be controlled. You, you cannot just allow a pump to uh, leave it to its own devices. It, it doesn't know what it's doing. As, soon as, it, as long as it's getting electricity, <clears throat> it's going to circulate the water. So anyway, we've, we've, been, uh, we've been there, done that. I'm not going to revisit that. Mm. But yes, you do get um, different controllers. And, and, and quite simply put, they are, and if just for, for, for ease of reference, I suppose there's, there's two, essentially two types of controllers. It's the, the intelligent type and, well, the unintelligent type. <laughs> so it's not, there's not very much to say on this, but the intelligent type of controller is that which not only is able to control, as we've discussed, the element timing, the um, the uh, maximum temperature to, to to guard against that and the pumps, but it also usually has a a user readout, a, a visual interface that the user is able to gather and and find certain information. You are able to uh, look at or see the temperature within your solar uh, storage tank, and you can see it at the temperature of the solar collector and monitor those differences there. You are able to see um, the times at which it is programmed to uh, switch the electrical backup on and you can manipulate those. So you can change them to your liking. And, and again, Willem, I'm going to just take this opportunity to say how important it is for an installer to have a verbal discussion with the client where they're installing this thing. If a client, because of the very fact that a client is able to access and manip manipulate certain settings within this controller, they have got to understand what they are doing and what their actions, what consequences their actions will have. It's not just a plug and play and forget situation. They've got to understand that it's a, it's a, it's something that they need to monitor, not constantly, but reasonably often, perhaps once a, twice a month or once a week or maybe even once a month, um, depending on their thing. But be that as it may, the intelligent controller that we're talking about allows for these settings and these parameters to be changed and, and manipulated somewhat. An unintelligent controller would be something that could only be utilized effectively or reasonably effectively on a thermosiphon system. Now, a thermosiphon system, just to reiterate, is a system whereby the natural flow of water uh, from a thermodynamics perspective, whereby the hotter water would float to the top, being less dense and lighter, and it would then in turn displace the colder water on top, which is denser and would flow downwards. And this flow, this natural thermosiphonic flow occurs in thermosiphon systems where the tank is above the collector and the heat gathered by the sun in the collector below is transferred up through this 
natural flow to the tank above. In such a system, it is possible to only have what we call a timer, just a timer, a geyser timer on the geyser electrical backup element electricity supply. So you can, in fact, just put a timer on there and it would then be rudimentarily set at, um, well, not rudimentarily, it's reasonably the same as an intelligent controller because you're setting the times. You decide, and, and as long as the client is informed as to what the, what the impact of it will be, you decide as to the times when the electrical backup will come in and when it will not uh, be, be functioning. So again, it will go back to the habits of the homeowner. When do you shower, uh, wash dishes, uh, a blute bath, etc.? Try and shift it to the evening uh, for, you know, to fully utilize the solar system. And, but anyway, you cater for it. You, 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 you um, uh, fine tune the electrical backup input, the timing of that to cater for their, their habits. So for example, if you have a household that is 50-50, you know, you've got two showers in the mornings and two showers in the evenings, try and shift it. Maybe one of those people that shower in the mornings can shift it to the evenings. Then you've got, what is it, a quarter and three-quarter split. It's nice split. Make sure that the timer comes on an hour before the person wants to shower in the morning, but it must switch off just before they actually shower because you don't want that heating any water that is unnecessary uh, heating throughout the day. You want to allow as much space as possible for the solar system. And then just before the first shower takes place in the evening, put it on for an hour again, remembering that if the solar system is already to temperature, the fact that you're allowing it to switch on doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to heat up. So don't be scared of overlapping those times somewhat. It's not a problem because if it's to temperature, nothing will happen. If it's a couple of degrees off, it'll just top up those degrees and switch itself off. It's not to say that it's going to constantly be heating up that water. So, so you, you set those timers just at the right times. And that's a very basic, unintelligent controller that would simply switch the element on and off at certain times. I would not recommend that you use a timer, for example, on a pump in a pumped system. Because as we've already discussed, the pump has to be quite carefully controlled and it has got everything to do with temperature differentials between the tank and the collector. So that cannot be controlled by means of a timer alone. The third type of controller, I suppose, the, the, which, which, which will only control the pump, okay, is a little photovoltaic system. Now, what that is, is a, and it's hooked up directly to the pump in a pumped system. I, I'm not going to revisit what a pump system is. So I did mention it earlier, earlier on. When to control the pump, when to switch it on. If you haven't got an intelligent controller, the next best thing is to, is to have the pump circulating when there is sufficient heat from the sun. How do you do that? Well, a thermo, at least a photovoltaic system, is a little photovoltaic cell, which is a 12-volt output, connected to a little circulating pump. And quite simply put, whenever there's sunshine on that photovoltaic cell, it means that there's sunshine on the solar collector. So if there's sunshine on the photovoltaic cell, it'll send power to the pump, and it will circulate that pump according to how much electricity it's being able to generate. 
and that'll be dependent on the amount of solar radiation, which roughly translates to um, if there's solar radiation and heat being imparted into the solar collector, then the pump is circulating. And the, the working theory is that uh, as long as that's the case, well, the, the heat is being transferred to the correct spot. So those are the three types of, uh, of controllers in a, in a normal sort of uh, under normal circumstances, Villa. Richard, uh, I want to thank you again for having shared this awesome information with us, having educated me. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, lastly, I definitely wanted to uh, thank our listeners, whether they be consumers and, or whether they be plumbers. Um, thanks for your time and your effort and having tuned in and listened to this episode. We will definitely chat to you again soon. Thanks for having tuned in. Make sure to read more about the PIRB on our website at pirb.co.za and on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.